good to see everybody here today. How many are blessed to be in the house, the house of the Lord today? Amen. It's good to have Pastor Natalie with us and Clay. Good to have you guys with us. Pastor Natalie was uh, our worship pastor here a couple of years ago until she moved to uh, that state south of Georgia. And uh, it's good to have Pastor Raphael Lillian with us today. Welcome home. Good to see you guys. Pastor Raphael Lillian served as our youth pastors here a couple of years ago, just a couple, a couple of years ago, and then moved to uh, that state which shall not be named. <laughs> but it's good to see you guys. Amen. Hallelujah. Aren't you glad to be in God's house today? Did you come hungry? Come on, you're not here just to kind of put in, a, put in your time, not just to go through the motions, just to check off the box, right? We're here because we're hungry. We're here because we want to worship our Lord. We're here because we will encounter His presence, because we know that God has something for us today, right? I hope you came expecting. I hope you came ready to receive and saying, Lord, I need to hear from you today. Not to hear from, from a man, not to hear from Pastor Greg, but to hear from God. And when you have that, that hunger in your heart, and God will speak, God will move in your life. Amen? Hallelujah. So if you're new to our church, welcome. Uh, my name's Greg Johnson. I'm the pastor here, and it's so good to have you with us. If you're joining us at Mission Church Online, God bless you. It's great to have you with us as well. We're going to get right into the Word. Go to the book of Acts, Acts chapter 12. Acts chapter 12, we've been doing a series here in the book of Acts for the past couple of, uh, of months, and the Lord has been, has been speaking into our lives. And today we're in Acts chapter 12, we're going to be reading verses 1 through 8. Did you bring your Bibles? Did you bring a Bible? you got to bring a Bible when you come to church, yeah? Amen? Why do you bring your Bible to church? That's it. you got to check out the preacher, right? Check me out. Make sure I'm giving you the Word and not just some psychobabble, self-motivational, you know, but the Word of God, which is going to give you life. Acts 12, verse 1 says, Now about that time, Herod the king stretched out his hand to harass some from the church. Then he killed James, the brother of John, with a sword. And because he saw that it pleased the Jews, he proceeded further to seize Peter also. Now it was during the days of the unleavened bread. So when he had arrested him, he put him in prison and delivered him to, the four, to four squads of soldiers to keep him, intending to bring him before the people after Passover. Verse 5, Peter was therefore kept in prison, but constant prayer was offered to God for him by the church. Everybody say, thank God for the church. And when Herod was about to bring him out, that night Peter was sleeping, bound with two chains between two soldiers, and the guards before the door were keeping the prison. Now behold, an angel of the Lord stood by him, and a light shone in the prison, and he struck Peter on the side and raised him up, saying, Arise quickly, and his chains fell off his hands. Then the angel said to him, Gird yourself and tie on your sandals. And so he did. And he said to Peter, Put on your garment and follow me. Put on your garment and follow me. Today I want to talk to you about breaking out of prison. I want to talk to you about prison break, about some principles for deliverance in your life that we see from this this, this scripture here. Let me give you a little background, a little context here. This event occurs 
after a great expansion takes place in the church in chapter 11. The church of Jesus Christ is making its mark on the earth. Not only in Jerusalem, but all throughout, all throughout the region there. Tens of thousands of people have come to Christ and have been baptized and have been filled with, with the Holy Spirit. And, and house churches, now local churches are being established all throughout the region. And as this expansion now is occurring, in chapter 12, it says that Herod began to harass the church. He killed James with the sword, which means basically that James was beheaded. And he arrested Peter, and he put Peter in prison, intending on killing him after the Passover celebration has, con- has completed. The lesson here is clear. When you begin to make an impact for Christ, as your faith grows, as you mature in your walk with Jesus, and your life becomes a threat to the enemy, the enemy will take notice and will harass you. I wonder, has anybody been harassed by the enemy lately? You ever feel any harassing going on in your life? That's a good thing. That means the enemy sees you as a threat and he wants to hassle you, and he wants to hinder you from achieving God's purpose in your life. It's a principle that we see here. Now the thing about Herod and Peter is that Herod knew that he couldn't stop Peter from following Jesus. He couldn't stop Peter from loving Jesus. But what he could do was put Peter in prison. The devil knows that he can't stop you from following Jesus. The devil knows that he can't stop you from loving Jesus. But what he will try to do is put you in a prison. You say, what kind of, what do you mean prison? What kind of a prison are you talking about? I'm talking about the prison of, of pornography. I'm talking about the prison of addiction. I'm talking about the prison of unforgiveness, the prison of toxic relationships. I'm talking about the prison of Netflix. Oh, you didn't know that was a prison, did you? You didn't, you didn't realize that one was a prison. Oh yeah, that's a prison. The prison of social media. Oh, that's a prison. The prison of spiritual apathy. The prison of lukewarmness. He knew he couldn't stop Peter from loving Jesus. So he said, what I can do, what I can do in this world in which Peter lives and operates, is I can set things up around him that will draw him into a prison and chain him to a couple of Roman guards. That's what verse 4 says. It says that Peter was chained to four squads of soldiers. The Greek word there for squad comes from a word meaning four. So it was four squads of four soldiers rotating every six hours. He was chained to two, while two other Roman guards watched the door. And Herod thought that as long as I can keep Peter chained to some Romans, he'll never be a threat. He'll never achieve the purpose 
that God, I can't stop him from loving Jesus. I can't stop him from following Jesus. But I can hinder him from being effective and doing what God has purposed for him to do. Now, it's bad enough being in prison, but that's not the worst part. The worst part of being in prison is what we get chained to while we're in prison. You could be in a prison of addiction, addiction to prescription drugs, addiction to alcohol drugs, addiction to cigarettes. I mean, you're saved. I'm not saying you're not saved. You're saved. You love Jesus, but you're in prison. There's something that has power over you. There's something that you're chained to. You're chained to a couple of Roman guards. While you're in that prison of addiction, you're chained to condemnation. You're chained to a loss of integrity and deception. And while you're chained to those two Roman guards, (laughs) you've got bad health and you've got a loss of trust guarding the door. You're in prison and Herod's just added all these Romans to your life. You could be in a prison of toxic relationships and you're chained to a fear of rejection and victimization. You could be in a prison of unforgiveness and and you're chained to bitterness and you're chained to that offense while anger and critical spirit watches the door to keep you bound there. If you're in a prison of pornography or sexual immorality, in that prison you get chained to shame and a loss of control while bondage and sexual addiction watches the door and prevents your escape. Now, I don't know what you might be struggling with today, but some of us have come here dragging a couple of Roman guards along with us. No one else knows about it. None of us can see the chains, what you might be bound to, but you know it. You feel the weight of it. You feel the drag that it puts on your life. The drag that it puts on your calling. The drag that it puts on your family, your your marriage. The devil can't stop you from loving Jesus. The devil can't stop you from following Jesus. But what he can do is chain us to some Roman guards and lock us up in a prison. Some of us are chained to Netflix. Some of us are chained between two Romans called Instagram and Facebook. Some of us, some of us are chained to this thing right here. I mean, literally, can't put it down. I mean, wherever you go, there it is. How many know what I'm talking about? Anybody? Come on, I challenge you, go one day. One day without it. And we'll realize just how much of an idol it's become. Chained to things. And I'd go so far as to say, the devil doesn't really even care if we follow Jesus. As long as he can keep us chained to some prison guards. He doesn't mind if we come to church. He doesn't mind if we serve in ministry. He doesn't even mind if we come to the altar 
and have devils cast off of us. He doesn't care about that. He just goes out the door and sits in the car and waits for us with those chains. Right? He doesn't mind because the enemy knows that as soon as you start to make progress, as soon as you start to get close to God again, as soon as you start to become a threat to his kingdom, what does he do? He starts pulling on those chains again. Come on, some of you know what I'm talking about. You start to feel like you're making progress. You start to feel like you're seeing victory. You're getting glimpses of deliverance and freedom and start, starting to finally step into what you believe God has for you. And the enemy sees that, and suddenly what does he do? He just starts to pull back on the chain and pull us back once again. He doesn't care if you follow Jesus, as long as you follow Jesus with chains on your life. Something comes up. On the Instagram feed, a chain pulls you back in. A comment on your Facebook page, the chain pulls you back in. A direct message, a DM, a text from a coworker, a text from a family member, a text from someone in your past, and all that anger, all that resentment, all that lust, all that nastiness, it all comes back to the surface, and the enemy grabs a hold of the chain and pulls us back and says, yeah, see, I still have control. You can go ahead and praise Jesus. Go ahead. Go ahead to church and worship Jesus all you want. I still got chains on your life. You're still stuck with these Romans. But here's the good news. Everybody say good news. Don't you love how when I preach, I, I just give you all the bad news right up front? <laughs> but here's the good news. Come on, everybody say it. Good news. Verse 7. While Peter was in prison, while he was chained to those Romans, an angel of the Lord stood by him and a light shone in his prison. As much as he was bound in prison, as much as those guards were chained to him, God never left him. God was still with Peter to set him free. And God wants to set us free as well. Whatever prison you may be in, whatever Romans you may be chained to today, God wants to break those chains off of your life and bring you out of that prison and demonstrate His power in your testimony. How do I know that? Because I know His Word tells us that He is a good, good Father. Amen? Amen? Come on, I don't know if some of you believe that or not. I, this is a Pentecostal church, right? You can say amen. amen. You can agree. You, you can clap your hands. You can say hallelujah. It's okay. We won't, we won't throw you out. How many, how many know he is a good, good father? Look, he, he's not like an earthly father that falls short and messes up. He's not like an earthly father that puts conditions on his love and his acceptance. He's not like an earthly dad that says, well, maybe if you do a little better next time. Well, maybe if you try harder next time, I'll be there for you and I'll help you. He's not an earthly dad. He's a heavenly father. He's our Abba Father. He'll never leave us. He'll never forsake us. Hallelujah. Psalm 103 says that he's that father who pities his children. He pities those who fear him. He remembers that we are just dust. 
Just dirt with breath, that's all we are. Come on, just look at the person next to you. Dirt with breath, that's all we are. And God remembers that. And He has pity and mercy on us. Lamentations 3 says that His mercies are new every morning. Every morning. Hallelujah. That means when you wake up in the morning, you don't need to succumb to condemnation and fear and a sense of rejection and shame. You don't need to do that. Why? Because as soon as you open your eyes in the morning, there's a new and fresh supply of His mercy. Aren't you glad we serve a merciful God? Hallelujah. Right now, in the presence of those Romans that you dragged in here today, Right now, in the midst of whatever prison cell you may find yourself in, God is with you and He wants to set you free. And this morning, I want you to realize, I want you to sense it in your spirit that He's turning the lights on and He's exposing the lies of the enemy. He's exposing the prison cell of the enemy. He's exposing the Romans that have been put there to drag you down. He's trying to turn the lights on and get you to see that there is a God who is with you, whose power is greater than any prison cell this world has to put on you. He's with you to set you free. So how? How's he going to do it? A couple of things here I want to pull from this story. First, we've got to wake up and we've got to realize that God wants us to be free. Everybody say, wake up. We've got to wake up and realize that that prison cell is not where God wants us to languish. He doesn't want you to spend the rest of your life in addiction. He doesn't want you to spend the rest of your life in bondage. He doesn't want you to spend the rest of your life dragging a couple of Romans around with you, shaming you and condemning you, tempting you, and stumbling you. Verse 6 says, Peter was asleep in his prison cell. And verse 7 says, The angel of the Lord struck Peter on the side and raised him up, saying, Arise quickly. And his chains fell off his hands. Some of us need to wake up and realize you're in a place that God has been wanting to bring you out of. Can you just say enough is enough? I just feel like that's what the Lord is saying to some. Not in a spirit of condemnation, not in a sense of shame, but in a sense of He has so much more for your life. And He's saying, my son, my daughter, enough is enough. My power is able to break what the enemy has put on you. Enough is enough. Come on, say it. Enough is enough. Now when you read most commentaries, they'll say that Peter slept. Because he was at peace with his circumstances. He, was, he had an assurance of God's presence. And, and he wasn't worried at all. He had no anxiety. So he was able to sleep no matter what he was about to face. Probably execution soon to come. And, and, I'm, and I'm sure that that's true. And that's proper exegesis, right? But here's the thing. Here's what we have to be aware of. When we talk about having peace... Everybody say peace. We, we, the, the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. And when we talk to ourselves about being at peace, we need to be careful. Especially if you're chained to some Romans. Because having peace is not always an indication of being right. Being at peace is is not always proof of being in a good place. 
Some people say, well, I have peace about this situation. Listen, I've known people, I had, listen, I have known people who were in adulterous relationships and they told me that they were at peace about it. I have talked to people who haven't been back to church, any church, any church, for years and tell me, well, I have a peace about it. Let's not forget that the peace that comes from our heart is not always a righteous peace. Because our hearts are deceitful above all things. Listen, our hearts will tell us any. Your heart tried to lie to you today. Come on, you know, your heart didn't want to get up and go to church today. How many know what I'm talking about? Right? Your flesh, your heart didn't want to be here today. It was giving you every reason not because your heart will lie to you. There's a difference between the peace that comes from a deceived heart and the peace that comes from God because our minds are stayed on Him. Right? The prophet Jeremiah warned of those in Jeremiah 6 and again throughout his prophecy. Warned of those who say, peace, peace, when there is no peace. And who were not at all ashamed when they had committed abomination. Peter was so at peace. He was so comfortable in prison that he fell asleep. And he was so deep in sleep that he didn't even recognize, he wasn't even aware that God had sent an angel to set him free. The angel had to kick him in the side and wake him up. Some people had become so accustomed to their bondage, so comfortable in their prison cell that they have forgotten that there is a God who wants to set them free. And they have become so well adjusted to the excuses that they make for themselves. And they have so dumbed down their theology to a God who doesn't work any miracles anymore and can't set them free. Where they have lulled themselves to sleep in the midst of a prison cell chained to two Romans. I'm not saying they're not saved. I'm not saying they're not going to heaven. They're saved. Jesus loves them. But they're in a prison cell. And they're chained. But they'll say, well, I have peace. I have peace in that relationship. I have peace in, in that behavior. I have peace watching that, doing that, going there. But it's not a real peace. It's a complacency. It's a spiritual apathy. It's a lukewarmness. Everybody say lukewarmness. You know what lukewarmness is. Lukewarmness is what puts us to sleep. And if you're feeling conviction right now, if you're feeling something right now, I want you to take that as an angel striking you on the side. As God giving you a little kick and showing you that His grace is available to make the chains fall off and bring you out of your prison. But here's the thing, you have to want it. You know why most people don't get free? Because they don't want to be free. Because they love their prison cell. They're, they've gotten familiar with the Romans. They're friends with the Romans at their side. They've just become friends with them. They've just co cozied up to them, and they become well acquainted and well adjusted. And they're just apart. Look, I'm just, I just, I can't give up these cigarettes. I'm just going to smoke them for the rest of my life, you know. And they've just got. I can't give up, you know, my scotch at seven o'clock. I can't give that up. No, I, you know, I just got to have my drink every night. 
I can't give up, you know, that special thing that I watch, that special place that I, I just can't, you know, I can't give it up, right? And we've become comfortable in our prison cell, and we've made friends with the Romans that we're chained to. And God right now is kicking us in this side, and he's saying, will you wake up and realize that I don't want you living in this prison cell anymore, that I have something much better, something much greater, something much higher, something much fuller, something much freer for your life? I'm not saying I'm an angel. I'm just saying that God's, you know, sometimes wants to. But we have to want it. We have to want it. We have to look at our prison cell and say, I, I want to be free. Whatever it takes, whatever I have to do, whatever price I have to pay, whatever people I've got to separate from, whatever places I've got to abandon, whatever it takes, I want to be free from this bondage. You've got to want it. Verse 8, Then the angel said to him, Gird yourself and tie on your sandals. So he did. And he said to him, Put on your garment and follow me. Now notice the angel told Peter, the angel told Peter, get your sandal, your sandals, get dressed, start walking, and follow me. Notice the angel didn't dress him. Hello? The angel didn't, okay, Peter, here, let me put your little flip-flops on now. Right? The angel said, get up, get dressed, get your sandals on, Gird yourself, start walking, and follow me. Amen. The angel didn't do things for Peter because there are certain things Peter had to do for himself. Right? And this is the next, the next principle we learn about breaking free from prison. God will not do for you in the supernatural what you should be doing for yourself in the natural. Right? There are some things God will do for you. The, chain, the angel made the chains fall off. But then the angel said, now Peter, if you really want to get out of here, I'm giving you the grace. The grace is available. The power is available. The presence is available. But if you really want to get out of here, you're going to have to get yourself dressed. You're going to have to strap your own sandals on. And you're going to have to get up and start walking in the right direction. Because God doesn't do by miracle what we should be doing for ourselves. God, let me say it again. God doesn't do by miracle what we should be doing for ourselves. And this is the very reason most people never get out of their prison. And they never get free from their Romans. Because deliverance requires taking action. Making changes. And those changes can be hard. Can you say hard? It can be hard. It can be hard. Getting free from addiction is not merely, oh God, make these chains fall off and God doing something supernatural. Getting free from whatever you're bound to requires making some hard choices, doing some difficult things in the natural. And this is why many people never get free because they don't want to do that. They'd rather stay asleep chained to some Romans in a prison cell. I can't tell you how many addicts I have counseled with that have told me, I want to get free. I can't tell you. I don't even know how many. And I'll say, you really want to get free? I want to get free. I say, are you willing to do whatever it takes? I'm willing to do whatever it takes. I want to get free. And I say, okay, let me tell you about an organization called Teen Challenge. What's that about? 
Well, Teen Challenge is a long-term residential program that has over 95% cure rate. Wow, really? Yeah. And the reason why is because they don't play games. Because when you go there, you go there. And you live there. And you are there long-term. And they will get you up every morning at 6 o'clock and you will, be, you will be doing your devotions with everyone else. Then they have work for you. Then they have more studies for you. And then you'll go to services and, do, and then they'll have prayer meetings and then you'll do counseling and then you'll do therapy and then you'll keep doing that every day for the next six months. Oh, I don't, I don't, I don't think I want that. That's what happens. Nine times out of ten. When, you, when, when someone says, I want to be free, and you explain to them, well, here's the price of your freedom. Here's what it's going to take. It's going to take some hard choices. Well, I don't want that. Well, then what you would rather have then is you would rather have your prison cell and the Romans lying next to you. That's what you're choosing. That's what you're choosing over health. That's what you're choosing over life. That's what you're choosing over your family, over your children, and your children's children to the third and fourth generation. Because as you remain in that prison, they'll change to those things. You are going to pass those same bondages, those same strongholds, those same curses onto your generations that follow. It's time to get free. I want to be free, whatever it takes. Well, here's what it takes. You got to get up. You got to get dressed. You got to start dressing yourself the right way. You got to start putting on the right sandals and you got to start walking in the right direction. Amen? Amen? Amen. But that's why so many people that I know who are addicts are still addicts and addicts for years and years and years and years. Now, I agree, no weapon formed against us will prosper. Greater is he that is in you, you than he that is in the world. I agree with that. Amen? We believe that. But understand something. No victory is automatic. Victory depends on how we fight. Did you get that? Victory depends on how we fight. Ephesians 6.13 says, Take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day. Don't talk about no weapon formed against me will prosper. You know, if you're spending five hours a day on social media getting into arguments on people's comments. And you're spending another five hours a day, you know, streaming filth off the internet. Hello? Victory, listen, victory is not won by what happens on Sunday during church when the worship is exciting and we're all you know, vibrant, lifting our hands and hallelujah in the steer. Victory is not won by what happens on Sunday. Victory is won by what happens in your life between Sundays. Are you getting that? Be, everybody say between Sundays. Between Sundays is where your deliverance is won. Between Sundays is where your victory is achieved. Don't come here on a, you know, one Sunday and just say, well, I'm going to go there and God's going to touch me and oh, it was so wonderful and so amazing. And then get in your car and go right back to the same prison cell, chained to the same guards, not making any hard choices in your life. Amen? Here's an important truth. When we take those difficult steps, when we obey, when we do our part in the natural, God will do 
his part in the supernatural. Hallelujah. Verse 9. So he went out and followed him and did not know that what was done by the angel was real, but thought he was seeing a vision. When they were past the first and the second guard posts, they came to the iron gate that leads to the city, which opened to them of its own accord. Then they went out and went down one street, and immediately the angel departed from him. Peter's journey to deliverance required him to walk past some dangerous milestones. Some dangerous There's a guard post there with a couple of Romans. They're going to see me. They're going to kill me, right? But he kept walking, kept walking in that direction and walked right past it and they never even saw him. Then he came up to an iron gate. How am I going to get through this iron gate? He walked up to the iron gate and it just opened before him. You see, Peter did his part. He got dressed, put his sandals, and followed the angel one step at a time, one moment at a time. He just followed the angel. And as he obeyed the word of God, what happened? God showed up. When God opened the gates, God blinded the Romans and God delivered him. Amen. When we do what God calls us to do, He will supply the grace that is needed to carry us through. Amen? Don't look at everything you've got to overcome and think, man, there's just so much. Man, it's just so hard. No. No, because the enemy will try to overwhelm you with that. Just take it one step at a time. One decision at a time. One Roman guard at a time. One checkpoint, one iron gate at a time. You do what God has called you to do and let Him take care of the rest. Amen? Amen. Amen. It's really, and you'll find out that as you do that, He gives you grace for the journey. Hallelujah. He really does. He gives you, and if you're getting kicked on the side right now and the Holy Spirit is prodding you, it's only because He's trying to get you to see if you will respond to the call of God now, there will be grace available to you to carry you through. If you'll say yes to this moment, if you'll get up and get dressed and put your sandals on and say, okay, Lord, I don't know how we're going to get past all those Romans. I don't know how we're going to get past that gate, but I'm going to follow you one step at a time and I'm going to trust, Lord, that you're going to give me the grace. And God is saying, if you'll do that in this moment, grace is available to you, but you've got to say yes and take the first step. Grace is available. Verse 11, when Peter came to himself, he said, Now I know for certain that the Lord has sent his angel and has delivered me from the hand of Herod and from all the expectation of the Jewish people. This is the testimony that God wants to give you. That as you step out in obedience and as you follow his will to set you free, that God will do something in your life that the only explanation is, (laughs) see what God has done. Only God could have done Only God could have delivered me. Only God could have set me free. I didn't do it in my own strength. God showed up. I heard the word of God. I responded to him and he gave me the power. He gave me the anointing. He gave me the strength and he brought me through. And you're going to stand on the other side of your deliverance and you're going to scratch your head and say, I don't even know how he did it. I can't understand how he brought me through. All I know is that God brought me out of that prison and has sent me here today to testify of his goodness and his faithfulness and his mercy and his love. Hallelujah. All right, worship team, can you come on up here? 
So I'm going to close. The story doesn't end with Peter's deliverance. The story actually ends with him at the house of John Mark's mother, Mark. The same Mark who wrote the Gospel of Mark. John Mark's mother's house was a big house. It was a woman of of means and resources and wealth. You can tell that by the description of the house there. And she used her house as a place for the church to gather. She had a connect group. Everybody say connect group. Yeah, she had a connect group. and It was a powerful connect group. right? And God blessed her house, and blessed her family because she gave that to the Lord. But the story actually wraps up there. Not him just being out on the street, you know, delivered from prison. But the story ends with Peter doing what? Going to church. What's the lesson there? The lesson is this. You've got to connect to a community of faith if you're going to remain delivered. It's crucial. It's crucial. You can't do this on your own. You need the church. You need the church. The only reason that Peter got out of prison was because the church was praying for him. And when he got out of prison, where did he go? He went back to the church. Hallelujah. The church. God's going to set you free. But you got to stay connected to a community where you're going to grow, you're going to be fed, you're going to be strengthened, you're going to be protected. Hallelujah. The church. Amen? Let's stand. Let's stand together. Father God, we thank you for your word today, Lord. Your word shows us, Lord, that we have an enemy who sees us as a threat. And although he can't stop us from loving you and following you, he tries to construct prison cells around us and get us chained to the things of this world. Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray you'll open our eyes and help us to see our own chains, God. Help us to see the Roman guards that we're chained to and don't even realize it because we've been asleep. We've been asleep because we've made friends with the Romans that we're chained to. We've welcomed them into our lives as friends. Help us to see they're not friends. They're chains. They're sent to hinder us and hold us back. Open our eyes. Come on, tell the Lord, open my eyes. Come on, ask the Lord right now. Lord, open my eyes. Cause me to see those things that have been sent to hinder me. Cause me to see those things, Lord God, that the enemy's put on my life that I haven't even realized. Open our eyes, God. Open my eyes, Lord God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Come on, let's lift our hands. Lift our hands. Just lift up one. If, just lift up one hand. If that's all you can do, just lift up one hand to the Lord right now. And just say, Lord, I want to be free, God. I want to be free of every, every hindrance of the enemy on my life. Lord, I want to be free. Come on, lift up a hand and just start telling, Lord, I want to be free, God. I want to be free, God. Come on, lift up that other hand now and say, yes, Lord, I surrender, God, my life to you to be free, to be free, God, to be free from my prison, to be free from the things of this world, Lord. Hallelujah. Set me free. Set me free. Come on, let's take a moment. Let's worship. Let's worship God in this moment. Speak to our hearts, God. Speak to our lives, Lord God. There's power in the name of Jesus.
Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. The altars are open.